And good morning, everybody, and welcome back to our online worship service this morning. We are so very glad that you have joined us. Thank you to our worship team for leading us this morning. Thank you, Brother Stephen Gill, for teaching to us in our 10 o'clock Bible class. What a, a great day it is to be a child of God. And we are certainly thrilled that you would take time out of your Sunday morning to be with us during this live broadcast where we believe that lives are going to be transformed. God is going to do great things. As we mentioned earlier today, it was certainly our desire to, um, to be with you today in a drive-in service. The weather just was not cooperating with us. And hopefully over the next couple of days, the weather is going to warm up for us and it will be a little bit more accommodating uh, for us to be outside and uh, in our vehicles. I, um, I told my wife this morning when we got up early and came to the church, I, I walked outside to get in the car and I said, I'm sure glad that I'm not going to have to stand outside and preach in this cold weather this morning. So I am thankful that you have joined us. I wish it was in person, but we're very, very glad that you are with us on this live stream. I want to take you today, if I could, to the book of Nehemiah. If you would join me in the book of Nehemiah, I just want to talk to you a little bit uh, from something that I feel the Lord has laid on my heart, I believe God is going to help us today. In the book of Nehemiah, chapter number 13 is where we will take our text. Again, we are so very thankful for your faithfulness during the season. Thank you for being so flexible and uh, for being faithful in your uh, attendance to online services and the drive-in service. It's just been amazing to see how you have responded. We love you and appreciate you so very much. And uh, we're, we are counting down the days, the hours, and the moments until we can be back together in the house of the Lord to worship God with one another. Nehemiah chapter 13 is where we'll draw our text from verse number 1. We're going to read a few verses here together. On that day, they read in the book of Moses in the audience of the people. And therein was found written, and the Ammonite and the Moabite, should not come into the congregation of God forever. Because they met not the children of Israel with bread and with water, but hired Balaam against them, that he should curse them. Howbeit our God turned the curse into a blessing. He always does. Now it came to pass, when they had heard the law, when they heard the word of God written, that they separated from Israel all the mixed multitude. And this is, this is kind of where we're getting into our direction right here. And before this, Eliashib, the priest, having the oversight of the chamber of the house of our God, was allied unto Tobiah. Verse 5, And he had prepared for him a great chamber where aforetime or in times past before this time they laid the meat offerings the frankincense the vessels the tithe of the corn the new wine the oil which was commanded to be given to the levites and to the singers and to the porters and the offerings of the priest but in all this time was not i at jerusalem for in the two and thirtieth year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, came I unto the king, and after certain days obtained I leave of the king. And I came to Jerusalem, 
And I understood the evil that Eliashib did for Tobiah in preparing him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. And it grieved me sore. This is important. Therefore, I cast forth all of the household stuff of Tobiah out of the chamber. Out of the chamber. I took all of Tobiah's stuff and I cast it out of the chamber. Then... I commanded that they cleansed the chambers. I threw his stuff out. Then we cleaned it up. And thither brought I again the vessels of the house of God with the meat offering and the frankincense. I'm not going to talk to you today about the meat offering and frankincense. I want to preach to you a principle that I feel like God is going to help us with. We're not going to dive into the deep end of the swimming pool today. I'm going to talk to you about Uh, what I believe the Lord would have for us uh, to visit in the word of the Lord today. I want to talk to you about when an empty room is not enough. When an empty room is not enough. And if you're standing for the reading of the word, you may be seated. Thank you to all of our team, our volunteers, and our church staff that have been here working this week to be sure that we can have service today. I so greatly appreciate each and every one of them. And thank you to all that have joined us online, to our guests. We are very honored to have you. If you hear something today that piques your interest, something that triggers your thought, if you have any questions, if you are watching today and would like to have a Bible study, we want you to reach out to us. We want to connect with you uh, at www.fpcanderson.com. You can message us here on Facebook, uh, connect with us wherever. To all who are joining us on YouTube, thank you for being with us as well. Amen. Now, for those of you that understand the historical, uh, the historical uh, understanding of the book of Nehemiah, we know that Nehemiah is actually the closing out of the story of Ezra. So Ezra comes into uh, Jerusalem after the exile, and there is a season of transition where the children of Israel are moving back into the city of Jerusalem. When they get to the city of Jerusalem, obviously there are people that have lived there during this season of exile, believe them to be a group of Samaritan people. And Ezra comes into Jerusalem. They begin to reestablish God's covenant in the holy city as God's people. And Ezra begins to build, uh, rebuild a temple for God to have a dwelling place, a place of worship, a place of sacrifice. And uh, it's a very interesting story as Ezra comes into Jerusalem because while he is trying to build a house for the Lord and bring structure and order from the chaos of these exiles that have moved back into that holy city of Jerusalem, we understand that the priesthood began to marry these strange wives, Samaritan women that had lived there during the exile and they were appealing to these men. And so they move into Jerusalem and begin to marry the pre-existing Uh, inhabitants of Jerusalem. It's a terrible story because what we find out in short is that over time the priesthood as they begin to have children with these women who were not Hebrew women. They were not women that were in the covenant of God. Their children could not speak the language of the Hebrews because while the priests were fulfilling their priestly obligations in completing the temple Their children, who should have been the next generation of priesthood and holy people, were at home learning a foreign language because of a love for foreign wives in the hearts of the priesthood. 
And so Ezra begins to clean house. And he says, you need to put away these strange wives. These are not the children of God. You're raising a generation that cannot speak the language of God's people. It only takes one generation for us to stop speaking a language. And all of a sudden, it just becomes a memory. I do believe the older I get, the more I realize why it is that the old men of God preach so hard against sin and preach so hard against coexisting with the powers of darkness. I know some looked at it and called it legalism and said, oh, they just preached against it because they didn't have anything better to preach against. And that is so far from the truth when you understand that what we're trying to prevent is a mixed language to where the next generation of the children of God, they don't know how to speak faith and they don't know how to speak favor and they don't know how to speak victory, but they do know how to speak mainstream media and they, knew, they do know how to speak fear and they do know how to speak politics, but when it comes to a move of God, they have no clue how to speak the language. I'm telling you right now that when the language of the Hebrews were lost in this mixed multitude of people, the language of sacrifice became less and less and less. They saw their fathers off for sacrifice but they did not understand it because their mother had not bought in to the covenant of God I'm telling you right now that we cannot afford for our children to lose in this hour in which we live right now where we feel so separated we cannot lose the language of what God is doing I'm sorry today if you feel like you have come to this live stream and I'm harping on you. I want you to receive this in the spirit in which it is presented. But here, pastor, today, you absolutely cannot lay for hours in front of a television and watch CNN and Fox News and spend hours upon hours and feel like you've got the mind of God right. You don't have the mind of God. You have the mind of politically motivated people that are trying to invoke a spirit of fear in the hearts of America and in the world. I'm telling you right now that we are not in any way minimizing the power of this virus, but I'm telling you that what we have looked at as free press has been nothing but something that has invoked the spirit of fear over the hearts of people. And I'm telling you right now that I refuse to marry myself to that language. I want my children to know the language of faith. I was listening to a medical doctor speak this week who began to talk. And again, please don't shut me out because you don't agree with where I'm coming from right now. You need to hear me out. I was at the church last night until almost midnight trying to get all this worked out of my brain and how in the world we can deal with this. But I listened to a medical doctor speak this week who began to tell the story about a two-year-old little girl that came to the hospital uh, after she'd had an accident and she died there in the hospital and uh, when the little two-year-old girl died they immediately re released a press release from the hospital saying that this little girl died of the coronavirus and uh, that COVID-19 took her life at which point when her parents saw the release the press release of this that their daughter 
had died with COVID, they had to come out in their grief and release a public statement. And they said, our daughter did not die of COVID-19. Our daughter had an accident at home that eventually claimed her life. Her little body was ravaged in an accident that she had at home. It had nothing to do with the virus. Folks, listen to Pastor and what I'm telling you today. There is absolutely, I I know that I, I don't have time to get into all of this right now on a short Sunday morning broadcast, but the word of the Lord tells us that the enemy is the prince and the power of the air. And all of the news that we're getting right now is traveling over airwaves. And if you think for one moment that the prince and the power of the air would not love to invoke the spirit of fear on the church in this hour and make us stop speaking the language of faith and start speaking the language of fear. I'm not telling you that it's a sin to listen to news. What I am saying to you is we cannot fill our minds with fear 24 hours a day and then expect to have faith to do the work of God. I'm declaring to the First Pentecostal Church and to all who are watching us today that if there is a spirit of fear that's in our lives, the Word of God tells us it does not come from the Lord. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I'm telling you that this virus will soon pass and we've got to go to some new way of life. But when we get there, if in this process we have learned the language of fear and we can no longer speak the language of faith, the dynamic of the church is going to look so much different on the other side of this. I don't believe it's time for us to cower down and be afraid and hide behind numbers. I'm telling you when we come out of this, we we ought to be so full of faith. We ought to be so full of fire. We ought to be so full of passion. I don't plan on running to the first place that will inject me with a shot because of the fear that's been put in the hearts of people. I plan on believing God. Somebody said the other day, oh, you got to be careful doing church. You guys are taking up serpents. No, in that very same verse, he said that if you happen to take up a serpent, it can't hurt you. If you happen to drink something deadly, it shall not hurt you. And the very next phrase said, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In the very same verse that people are using, to hide behind with the spirit of fear and saying if you come together and have church you're taking up serpents in that very same verse not a different chapter not the same chapter the same verse he said that the sickness cannot have a hold on you you will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover I'm speaking today to that spirit of fear that has absolutely attacked the airwaves and the hearts of God's children and I'm telling you we will speak the language of faith. I refuse to doubt today in the power of an almighty God. It's important to me that our church in this day and age, not just this local assembly, but the church of the living God understands that we don't have to receive the report of the enemy. I think we ought to be uh, wise as serpents and harmless as doves. I understand that. I think that we ought to be wise enough to not take somebody else's word for it. We need to do some digging ourselves and see that just because you step outside on your front porch, the spirit of fear says if you walk outside, you're going to contract the virus. I refuse that in Jesus' name. You know, it, there's danger in everything that we do. There's danger to get in your car and drive. It was dangerous for me to drive to church this morning. It's dangerous for us to fly for hours and hours suspended over the ocean going on foreign mission trips. I've preached in places where there are people of other religions that are, that are radical in their faith that 
were bombing meetings like the ones that we were having. But you know what we did before we left? We pled the blood of Jesus. And we believed that God was going to keep us. We weren't taking up serpents. We were fulfilling the mandate. So what I'm saying to you today, church family, is do not let your life be controlled by a spirit of fear. Because when this thing is over, we need somebody that can speak the language of faith. And so... As we hurry through the story today, I want to get to my point and help somebody. I, I, I don't know today uh, where you are in your walk with God. Some of you uh, may be faithful members of a church. Some of you may be watching this at a later, uh, a later time on a rebroadcast. I don't know. But we may have some backsliders today, some prodigals that have walked away from God watching this webcast. We may have some folks that have never had a relationship with God. I'm telling you that the only fear I have in my life right now and that I believe you should have in your life is whether or not you're pleasing God. That ought to be the greatest fear that you have in your life is whether or not you are still connected to the vine, if you are still connected to the roots of our faith. I speak over you today boldness and peace of mind that God would give you relief. Some of you have tossed and turned in the wee hours of the night and been afraid of what, was, what tomorrow was going to bring. I do not fear whatsoever today. The only thing that I want to be uh, afraid of or have any fear of in my heart is that when the trumpet sounds, my heart is ready to go. That's all I really care about. I want to be ready to go. So Ezra is cleaning out the camp, and by the time... Nehemiah comes onto the picture. What we have basically is Ezra is cleaning up the city. He has got the house of the Lord rebuilt. The temple is rebuilt. He is telling the priests, put away these strange wives. We need a generation that can speak the language of sacrifice very plainly. And we move forward. Nehemiah comes on. Now we've got the temple built. We've got people living in their houses. But the city does not have walls. And so Nehemiah comes in uh, and begins, after permission from King Artaxerxes, he comes in and begins to rebuild the wall. We've heard the story, if you've read it, if you have not read it, go back and read it. There were two men that were constantly nagging at Nehemiah, trying to get him to come down off the wall. Who were these men? Well, they were men that were, uh, they, they were pre-existing in, inhabitants of the land. Sembal and Tobiah lived there. They were not happy that the Jews had come home. They were not happy that they were being uh, asked to leave. And so they're constantly trying to get Nehemiah to come down off the wall and to quit building the wall. At, uh, I, I think this is a juncture here where, where it'd be good to mention that there is a reason why the enemy is always trying to get you to come down off the wall. And it's not because he doesn't like your masonry work. It's because you're a threat to what he's trying to do. He's not trying to get you to come down off the wall because he doesn't think you're a good builder. It's exactly the opposite. He wants you to stop living for God, not because of what it does for you, but what it does to him. You are the greatest threat to his kingdom. Sanballat and Tobiah knew that if Nehemiah ever gets the breaches in this wall closed up, if he ever closes up the holes of this wall, if he ever gets the gates installed and puts armored men at the gate that are watching, if there is a city that has walls and gatekeepers, we cannot get access to the things that we used to have access to. Can I tell you right now, that's exactly why you need a church. That's exactly why you need a relationship with God. You need somebody that can help you establish walls in your life. You need somebody that can help you establish gates in your life. You need the angels of the Lord to stand at the gates of your heart and your life. You need the power of the Holy Ghost to stand at the gates of your life so that when the things that you have, uh, that you have given an eviction to in your life try to come back in, they've got to get past the gatekeeper to get access to your heart and to your life. 
Sam Ballot and Tobias said, we don't like this. We want you to come down. Please come down. Talk with us. Deal with us. You know what? Somebody needs to get a made-up mind today. I'm not making any more deals with anybody. I came to build the wall. I came to complete the wall. And I don't plan on making any deals with anybody. I'm not coming down off of here to have a conversation with you. We're not going to come together and compromise in any way, shape, or form. Sam Ballot and Tobias would have been satisfied if they would have built a wall all the way around uh, the city of Jerusalem but would have left just one passageway way for them to be able to come and go as they please but as long as long as Sanballat and Tobiah have access from the outside the wall not only does it not keep them out it does not protect what's on the inside so I'm saying to you today get walls built in your life get a relationship with God close off the breach it doesn't matter how small it is close it up seal it off seal the gate and do not let the enemy have access to you so Nehemiah Finishes the wall. He says to them with faith, I cannot come down off of this wall. I'm doing a good work. Church, hear me today. You are doing a good, good work. Keep praying, keep fasting, keep seeking God. You are doing a good work. Don't come down off the wall. So here we are. Now the temple is built. We've got walls around it, but there's, there's an issue. we still got strange wives in the land. And Nehemiah is still having to deal with what Ezra couldn't get rid of. Ezra was trying the next generation, the next book that comes in, Nehemiah is still trying to do the same thing. Why is it, why is it that generation after generation we wrestle with the same things that, that generations before us tried to get rid of? Why is it that Ezra's word was not enough? Now Nehemiah is having to fight that same old battle. Isn't it funny how we are? I've said many, many times in pastoring uh, and, and counseling with people and talking with people that most of the time the meetings that I have the counseling sessions that I have are over the same thing with the same people they come back dealing with the very same issues every time we talk there's they're still not over it they haven't got past it it's the same thing at some point in time we've got to understand that what so-and-so preached 40 years ago is good enough for us today and if we'll get if we'll get to understanding that what they said was not just to harm us, not just to keep us uh, away from the public, not just to keep us isolated from the world, but to give us an understanding and appreciation of what happens when Nehemiah comes in and builds a wall. You know what? It was a sad thing to have a temple, in my opinion, that Ezra completed the temple. I know it was a good thing that they had a house for God, but how good really is a church with no walls around the city? Who would want to build their home in Jerusalem, come out of exile? They got removed out of Jerusalem before, went into exile. Now they've got a city, they've got their homes back, they've rebuilt homes, they've got a house of God, and no walls around them. So it's a bad place to be. So let's not get the cart before the horse. Let's be sure that we've got the walls in our life because we don't want Nehemiah still having to fight the same thing that Ezra was trying to fight. We've got to get on the same page in our faith. Paul told the church at Corinth, he said, we need to be able to come together and speak the same thing and to be of the same mind and judgment. If we as the body of Christ in times like this are devouring our own body, if we are devouring one another, if we are devouring other preachers and other churches and the way that they've gone about this, the enemy doesn't have to do anything as long as we do his work for him and we devour one another. Amen. We've got to speak faith and favor and we've got to believe in one another. So what we've got going now is that Nehemiah leaves, the wall is built, Nehemiah leaves for a short while, and he comes back, and when he walks into the temple, something does not feel right to him. And this is where we're at in chapter 13. Something feels off to Nehemiah, and so he looks at the priest and he says, just read the word of God. 
Just, just, just pull out the book and read the Word of God. Just read the Word. Why? Because the Word reveals. The Word is something that pulls back covers and reveals what's going on in our lives. The Bible said it's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. When it cuts going in and it cuts coming out, it divides the soul and the spirit of a man. It's a dividing thing. The Word can be very abrasive to you. And Nehemiah said, I need the Word of God to be read right now. And as soon as they opened up their mouth to read, this is exactly what the Word of the Lord said. It was found written therein that the Ammonite and the Moabite should not come into the congregation of God forever. The word of the Lord revealed that the problem is you've got walls now in the city, around the city, and you've got the temple around the city, but now you've got hidden things that should be on the outside of the wall that are hidden in the congregation of the righteous. It's no longer about what we expelled when everybody looked and it was a public thing. He said, now we've got a private issue. There are secret things that are hiding in the house of God and so he said that as they read the book that all of a sudden it is revealed that Eliashib the priest of all things the priest was hiding a man in the inner chamber of the temple of God Eliashib the priest the one that knew better was hiding a man in the inner chamber. He took the holy things of God, the meat offering, the oil. He took all of that out of the inner chamber and he put a man to live in there. We read it today, but does anybody remember the name of the man that was in the inner chamber? His name was Tobiah. It was the very same voice that was telling Nehemiah, come down off the wall there was a preacher that said I don't care what he said to Nehemiah on the wall I am willing to risk the kingdom of God to hide this voice in the house of God we need some men of God in this hour that will reveal there are no secret voices hidden in the house of God that voice that tried to get us to come down off the wall hey look this is, this is all I'm saying and I'll move on from this thought process but this is all I'm saying if you don't, don't want to be a part of this holy way if you're a preacher of the gospel and you don't want to be a part of being in the apostolic church then get it out of the closet quit hiding to buy in the closet just come out and say I don't want to be what they are I don't want to do what they do I don't want to be a part of that lifestyle it amazes me that people look at the church of the living God and say oh they're so small-minded they're so small-minded they're so small-minded yet they stand from the outside and bark constantly about how they don't approve of the way of life that we live. They don't approve of holiness. They don't approve of separation. They don't approve of the kind of life that we live. It's hilarious to me because apparently it's a threat to their lifestyle. Apparently they feel some kind of conviction when they get around you because you're a child of God or they wouldn't say anything about it. So all I'm saying is that if you don't want to be a part of the kingdom of God, don't hide Tobiah in a secret place. Let him just move in your house. Let him just come in your house and say, this is what we are. I love Tobiah. And this is what I want to do. But Nehemiah walked in and he said, Eliashib, you ought to be ashamed of yourself for hiding this man in the inner chamber. This was a room that the holy things of God belonged there. And now, now, 
We have Tobiah, the voice saying, come down off the wall, get down off the wall, stop closing the gap, stop closing the breach. And that is the voice that you're hiding. And so Nehemiah, he took uh, an intentional move. It was a forward move when he stepped in and he told the men, he said, take everything that Tobiah has left in this room and get it out of here. Take every item that he has left behind and get it out of here. This, my friends, is a beautiful picture of what true repentance looks like. True repentance is not just saying, I'm okay that Tobiah was here, but if he leaves his stuff behind, that's okay. You hear me when I tell you that if you leave bed covers and a mattress for Tobiah, even if you tell him he's kicked out, it won't be long till you come back to the secret place of your life and he will have made a bed in your life again. This is the picture of repentance. Not only are we not happy that Tobiah is in a place where holy things belong, but we're moving him out and we're moving his furniture out and we're moving his household items out. Nehemiah said, get rid of his toaster, get rid of his refrigerator, get rid of everything that looks like him, get rid of everything that that smells like him, get rid of everything that belongs to him because I don't want him to feel welcome to come back here. I want to get this to you very plainly today, that repentance is not telling God that you're sorry for what you've done. That, my friend, is a contrite spirit. That is prayer. That is not repentance. Saying the sinner's prayer is not repentance. Repentance is shown to us by the power of what Nehemiah said. You've got to get him out of the room, and then you've got to get his stuff out of the room. So you can't just tell God that you're sorry and then leave that room, that that empty place in your life, full of the things that Tobiah has left behind. You cannot say that God has delivered you from drugs and then go back to the crack house that you used to go to and expect to stay delivered from that. You've got to get the toaster out of there from Tobiah. You've got to get his refrigerator out of there. You've got to get his blankets out of there. Get his change of clothes out of there. Clean out the room. Get rid of him. Clean it out. So after the stuff is gone, this is amazing, this is amazing. After all of his stuff has moved out, read it for yourself. The scripture said that Nehemiah brings him in and does spring cleaning. He said, now that his stuff is gone, we're erasing every trace that he was ever here. Think about this. It's a picture of baptism. Repentance gets it out of my life. Baptism in Jesus' name cleans the room completely. It disinfects where things affected me yesterday. Yeah, I got them out of my life, but now I need it washed away. This is why we don't baptize any other way than in the name of Jesus Christ because Peter said, Acts 2 and 38, that when we're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, it is for the remission of sin. That sin is removed. It is not enough to just have an empty room. It is not enough to just pray a sinner's prayer and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I know that I'm a sinner. I want you to be my my Savior. That's a good thing. That's the first step. That's where we're going. I'm not denying that there's not power in, in, in confession. I'm not denying that there's not power. But that is not salvation. That is a step toward salvation. Because now that you've got rid of Tobiah and you've got rid of his household items, there's still traces that he was there. There are places where his feet walk. There's dust from his feet. And it is the blood of Jesus in a watery grave of baptism in the name of Jesus that washes away every trace that he was ever there. And the next step is so powerful. 
Because Nehemiah said, now we've got an empty room, but that's not enough. We've got the empty room. It's not enough. We've got to wash the room clean. We have absolutely got to clean out this room. And the next thing he says is, I want you to go get all of the sacred vessels that belong in here. I want you to go get the meat for the priest. Everything that belonged in this room. Listen now. We got rid of everything that does not belong in the room. We have now washed the room clean, but it's not enough to have an empty room. He said, now I want you to go get everything holy, everything sacred, and I want you to bring it back into the room. You know what this is? This is the infilling of the Holy Ghost. The Lord said he would not share his glory with another. You cannot expect the glory of God and Tobiah to dwell in the same room. You cannot expect the glory of God to dwell in the same room that Tobiah did, even if you got rid of his stuff without a clean vessel. We have got to understand the power of repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. We've got to get our minds around this. It's not enough to have an empty room. It's not enough to confess your sins to the Lord. He is faithful to forgive. But him forgiving and remitting my sins are two different things. I want those sins washed away. But now I need something holy to fill that up. I, you know what the Holy Ghost is? The Holy Ghost is that no vacancy sign that you put on that inner chamber. That said it doesn't matter what used to live here. It doesn't matter what used to be here. This is not an empty room anymore. Some Somebody else has moved in. And when I gave sin an eviction notice, I let the Holy Ghost move in. And now I am filled with the Spirit of God. This is the power of what Nehemiah did. You never would have dreamed that in the book of Nehemiah that there was type and shadow of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Where at death we repent, at burial we're baptized in Jesus' name, and at the resurrection we rise in the newness of life. Acts 2.38, then Peter said unto them, repent, death. And be baptized, every one of you, burial, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, resurrection. Nehemiah said it was necessary for the presence of God in the temple for exiles. Peter said it's necessary for us today in the church of the living God. Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, 5 that it was necessary except a man be born again of water and of spirit. He cannot see or enter. An empty room is not enough. You're not going to sign on to a TV preacher that's going to tell you to confess your faults and you're saved. You're not saved yet. You've got an empty room. It's time to take the empty room and get baptized in Jesus' name. Get filled with the Holy Ghost and move something sacred back into your heart. I don't mind talking to people about confession because I believe in it. I agree with them on confession, but I do not believe that confession is my salvation. I believe that if I'm going to be saved, I've got to be saved the Bible way. If you're watching today, the, th the first thing that I want you to do, if you're watching today and you have never repented of your sins, I want you to clean that room out right now. I want you to do that. I just want you to ask God to take all of the shame, all of, just take, take all of it, take every bit of it, everything, kick it out of your life. In the name of Jesus, everything I was, I want it out. But now, God, I want the shame to go with it. I want the arrogance to go with it. I want the pride to go with it. Everything that I've been, I want it to go. I want it to leave right now. I want to clean out this room. I want to get it out. If you have never been baptized in Jesus' name, 
Look us up, call us. We got our numbers on our Facebook. If you're watching on YouTube, you can go to fpcanderson.com, get our phone number, call us, send us an email, contact us. If you have never been baptized in Jesus' name, all you've got is an empty room. Now it's time to wash the room out. And the next thing that we want you to do is we want God to restore the sacred vessels, the power of the Holy Ghost back into your life. You were born, you were born in the image of God and sin separated you from that image. But restoring the sacred vessels into the secret place of your life is exactly what God wants to do for you today. I'm so very thankful that you have joined us on this webcast. I believe that God is working right now. If you have never repented of your sins, been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins and been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, today is your day. Today is your day. If you're watching this and you don't fully understand what I have taught and preached today and you want some clarification, we would love to connect you with somebody that will teach you today exactly what I'm saying. Everywhere in the book of Acts that someone was baptized for the remission of their sins, they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Nowhere in the scripture will you find that anybody was ever baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. They were always baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. So I'm reaching for you today. Don't be satisfied with just an empty room. An empty room is not enough. We want you to repent of your sins, but you've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. And you must be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. So reach out to the Lord today, right where you are. We look forward to hearing from you. We look forward to hearing that you have repented of your sin. Backslider, we look forward to hearing from you. We love you, prodigals. We've been praying for you. We've been reaching for you. May it be today that if you've been baptized in Jesus' name before, but you've walked away from God, don't you forget what it felt like at the Father's house. Don't forget how good it was. Your Father has been feeding a fatted calf for you. It's time for you to come home. Get that empty room. Get that stuff cleaned out of your life and let the Holy Ghost fill you right now. That's it. Right there where you are. As tears begin to stream down your face, I want you to raise your hands. Don't you let the devil tell you that you're not worthy, prodigal. Don't you let the devil tell you you're not worthy because you walked away from God. What you feel right now, I feel it standing on this platform. What you feel right now is the presence of God reaching down into your home. I want you to begin to repent before God and ask him, Lord, right now, refill me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm believing that we're going to begin to receive phone calls and emails and messages that somebody made a decision today. You are not satisfied to let Tobiah dwell in the inner chamber of your heart anymore. Come on, that's it. Cry out to God where you are right now. Get rid of the shame. Get rid of it today. It does not control your life. Let Jesus wash you white as snow right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we lift our voice to you today. We are reaching for you right now, God. I know, God, that I wish so very bad we could get our hands on these people, but would you lay your hands on them right now? Would you send angels to their home right now, God? Lay your hands on them, Father. I pray, Lord, that forgiveness would be felt and received right now. I pray that we would forgive ourselves and that we would forgive others, Lord. I pray today that we would clean out the inner chambers of our souls and our spirits. Wash us white as snow, O Father, and fill us again with the sacred things of the kingdom of God. Fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name. There is such a precious flow of the Holy Ghost in this physical room right now. 
I know you cannot see them, but our staff and our team right now, they are already praying for you. There are people in this room right now that are calling out for you. They are praying over this broadcast right now. If there was any way to show you, I would, but the presence of God is moving so strongly in this place. I really hate to just end this webcast. I hate to just quit this webcast, but what I'm asking you to do right now is that if you feel God moving on you, if you feel that move, His kindness leading you to repentance, I want you to just drop down to your knees if you can physically. If you can't, that's all right. Just pray right there where you are, but close your eyes and don't be, don't, don't you be ashamed of those tears that are dripping off of your face right now and just begin to repent before God and say, Lord, I'm moving to buy you out and I need you to wash me and cleanse me today. I want your spirit to dwell within me. I want your spirit to live within me. We love you so very much. We're so very grateful that you have joined us today for this live webcast. We're going to be back tonight at six o'clock and we cannot wait to worship with you. Please don't stop praying. When this camera shuts off, our team is going to prayer right now around the altar. We're going to be praying for you. There are people praying in the Holy Ghost for you right now in this very room. Just receive the strength of God. Raise those hands towards heaven and let the Lord touch you. I love you, church. I'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock. May the Lord richly bless you.